You're entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. Hey, folks. Welcome to the MSP Zone. Got a lot to talk about today. Uh, a full episode planned. We're going to be talking about the Australian ransomware ban. Um, even if you're not living in Australia, you should pay attention to this one because it's going to have huge global um, implications for MSPs all over the world. We're going to be talking about some advice that I gave to a, a kind of a, a younger MSP that has some questions about how to grow and how to achieve growth. Be very, very critical um, segment. And then finally, some some passing thoughts on uh, Mike Collin, uh, who who we lost uh, some weeks ago. And I just wanted to share some some of my thoughts about Mike, um, and we'll save that for the end. So first, Australian ran- ransomware ban, inevitable. Uh, this was the story headline that uh, actually came out late last year. And I know you're saying, Charles, why do we care? I'm not Australian. I may not even be an MSP. I'm not. Why should I listen to this? You should pay attention. If you're an MSP, you should pay attention. If you care about managed service providers, you should pay attention. And if you live in Australia, you should pay attention. If you live anywhere else other than Australia, you should also pay attention because this is coming to a city, town, country near you. Ransomware ban is, quote, inevitable, but won't become reality for at least two years. So this is a story from cyberdaily.au. I don't know who these folks are. It's just a website um, that came in during my feed and I read it. And okay, so they're covering the the Australian government. And this is this is one of the stories that they they decided to track late in 2023. Um, the, The subtitle is the government, the Australian government has revealed that a ban on ransomware payments will happen, but it won't happen for at least two years as more groundwork needs to be laid. Okay, why should you care, you're asking yourself. This is not just unique to Australia. This is happening everywhere. It's happening in the United States. It's happening in Canada. It's happening in the EU. It's happening in the UK. All these governments are talking to each other, and they're all looking at each other and and trying to figure out you know, who's leading and who's moving in which direction from a policy standpoint. And it is so clear. And I know we've talked about it a lot on this uh, program. We've, we've written a lot about it. We've put out a lot of stuff on social media about ransomware and how to deal with it as an MSP. But I am telling you folks, the, the days of ransomware payments being the first option that organizations turn to, to deal with retrieval of their data after a a cyber attack are are quickly coming to an end. And I am not saying that ransomware payments are going to go away. I've been on the record saying that it's not going to ever just completely vanish, but it will lessen the pressure on organizations that make ransomware payments will increase, meaning the likelihood of audit, sanction, 
civil, maybe criminal penalties, or a variation of all of those things, and, and some new things that we haven't even thought of yet, are likely to increase over time, starting now. All right? I'm not talking like decades. I'm talking about now. To the point where ransomware payments just become too problematic for organizations to make, which is no doubt the intent here. Um, so I'll read you a quote from the article. I'll post this article in case you guys want to read it yourself. But here, here's a quote from it and, and someone speaking from the Australian Minister of Home Affairs and Cybersecurity, uh, someone named Claire O'Neill. Um, quote, the payment of ransoms at the moment is effectively businesses around the world funneling bill- millions and millions and hundreds of millions, probably billions of dollars into criminal gangs who reinvest that money back in their capability, said Minister O'Neill. So every time a ransom is paid, we are feeding the cybercrime problem. Now we are in a situation in our country where it is clearly not the right time at this moment to ban ransoms. And that's because we haven't done the hard work. Okay. What hard work are they talking about? Cyber hygiene. Cyber hygiene, folks. It's it's the stuff that MSPs do day in and day out. It's the it's the work and the and the expertise that MSPs all over the world, including, including in Australia, do. But their customers may not take advantage of that. That's how I would interpret the hard work or the groundwork that needs to be laid from an Australian policy standpoint and true here. We're going through the same exact kind of motions here in the United States government. We're we're talking about the defense industrial base. We'll have that on another episode. We've got some new emerging um, reports about how the private sector is is going to be, I think, leveraged even more greatly than we realized before in securing the defense industrial base for the U.S. government. Um, But just like it's happening in Australia, we're having it here with CMMC. We're having it here with state governments and the state government efforts to shore up all of their um, critical infrastructure and state and local municipal, municipal governments who are coming increasingly under cyber attack more and more regularly. Um, and shall, shall I mentioned, uh, the increase in these cyber attacks is also coinciding with a deepening, um, reluctance by insurance companies to really embrace this and drive change. Although they're doing some pretty good work, it's not fast, it's not enough, and it's not really being done from a leadership perspective because it's not really what Insurance companies do or no. Uh, That's a whole separate issue. But back to the issue at hand, ransomware payments and their likelihood of being banned. Plan for it now. How do you plan for it? Well, I got a few notes. Number one, you should start to update your managed service provider organization company policies today. And you would in my opinion, be really well served if you were to update your policies to anticipate a time where ransomware isn't an option, either for your MSP organization or for your customers. 
those are kind of two really separate but really important and and similar concepts. But I would start now by by saying we have a policy, and the policy is not to lean on ransomware payments as an option. So where does that leave you? Well, after you've updated your own internal policies, you should change your tone and you should change the, the conversation with your customers and communicate what's happening and say to them, hey, let's start working now for this eventuality of the day when it comes and it will come in Australia or anywhere else in the developed world where you're not going to be able to make that ransomware payment. Or if you do make it, it's going to come with so much hassle and red tape that it's not even going to be worth your time to do it. Well, you're, you're probably going to get a response like, well, MSP, what else can we do? And I hope you are prepared for that. I, I know a lot of MSPs are, but I know, I know probably a, a good amount that aren't. You should go over all the options, all the service delivery, security, business, risk items that you can do as their MSP with the customer. Because a lot of this stuff is going to be you. There's a lot of stuff that you, the MSP, can do. New services, backing up data, MFA, all the stuff, all the usual stuff. There's stuff that you can't do. And there's stuff that you can help the customer to do themselves. And you should be having conversations about all three of those things. You should be talking to the customers now and preparing for this. Number three, you should be revising your service catalog, your pricing and your contracts to reflect what you will and will not do. And I know some of you probably already have mention of ransomware, ransomware payments and what you will do and what you won't do. But a lot of you probably haven't gotten that far and your contracts don't talk about that. And your baseline managed services service catalog probably doesn't articulate that, right? M meaning that you could take on a managed services customer tomorrow and they might be well below a baseline level of service that would protect them against something that would eventually lead to a ransomware attack, a successful one. You need to revise your service catalog. Your service catalog then needs to reflect accurate updated pricing and all of that needs to be articulated into an agreement of some sort. Certainly your master service agreement and your service attachment, service catalog, service agreement, whatever you call it. It's a service attachment in my world, but you can call it whatever you want. Finally, fourth, set a switch over date and stick to it. This is going to get to my next point. What in the advice I gave to a, a, a less mature MSP who wanted to grow and mature in their practice, setting a switchover date is really critical. Folks, if you've ever wanted a moment in history where it, there is so much ammunition, so much legitimate reason for an organization to stop handling their IT assets and resources as a reactive concept or a reactive object, now is the time. Today, now is the time to, to act. You have more 
argument, more wind at your back, propelling you towards an outcome where you can convince an organization who has been reactive and break fix for a long period of time even, and tell them, look, we're going to make 2024 the year where we're going to take you off of break fix and turn you into a managed services customer. And you'll thank us for it. And you'll never have to worry about, do I make a ransomware payment? Don't I? Because you will have other options, other options to protect yourself. Okay. And I'm not saying folks that doing this stuff is going to prevent attacks, successful attacks on your customers. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is if, if you know that a, a critical tool in ransomware data retrieval is going to be eventually ruled out of bounds and is even now being discouraged, why aren't you talking about this with your customers and helping them prepare and setting that date and saying, this is the date, we're switching over, no looking back, onward and upward. That's what I would be looking at. That's what I'd be talking about. If you're in Australia, folks, all this applies to you. And, and I would be really, really aggressive in your time frame because they're, they're basically telling you, hey, it's going to probably come in, in a couple of years. I don't think we've had that level of, of real, cre- real clear guidance from the U.S. Um, we've had, you know, kind of ambiguous, you know, not articulate, I should say, and ambiguous isn't the right word, but not articulate um, murmurs, right, from the FBI saying, hey, we don't think you should be making ransomware payments. We've had the the Office of Foreign Asset Control, OFAC, you know, part of the, the Treasury Department here saying we might come after you for sanctions, all those things we've talked about. Everybody's talking about this. The, 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 the executive, the, the Biden administration has been very clear about going out to other governments that we work with and saying to them, let's all sign a pledge saying that we're going to be moving in this general direction towards preventing, if not banning, eventually ransomware payments. Folks, the rings on the wall can't be any more clear than that. They're all moving in the general direction. Some governments are going to get there first, sooner rather than later. But eventually, this is all going to pick up up steam, and you're going to see everyone marching steadily in the same direction and in accomplishing, ultimately, with some minor variation, the same goal. Be prepared. Be forewarned. Talk to your customers. Execute a plan. Get it done, preferably in 2024. Okay, next topic. Um, we had a new member join, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Um, this was like a maybe a one, two, or three, about a three-person shop, so kind of a smaller MSP, um, as, and there's nothing wrong with it, right? There's a lot of you who have started as one-person shops, three-person, five-person shops. I get it. it. You guys are the lifeblood of small business. You're the lifeblood of the managed services uh, profession, in my opinion, and, and can't, enough can't be said about the good work that, that you guys do. But this one company called us up and said, hey, you know, we just joined the MSP Alliance and, and we wanted to get some just advice on what should we what should we be doing? How do we grow? And I'll synthesize 
kind of the advice because I thought it was good advice at the time. The person seemed to really appreciate it. And I thought some of you might be in a very similar situation, although maybe you're at a different size. It doesn't matter. The, this advice applies to any growing, um, aspiring MSP. Um, and this, I, I should preface this by saying this, this company had, uh, it wasn't a startup. This company had existing customers, but this customer had a good mixture of managed services and a probably more than they wanted a uh, mixture of break fix customers. And so he was, he was kind of asking a question of like, how do I, how do I take, you know, I don't say an equal portion of break fix and managed services. And how do I get more to the managed services and what do I do with my existing break fix customers? But that's basically what he was saying. How do I, how do I execute that strategy? First, I said, you have to acknowledge as the, the, as the owner of this MSP business that every break-fix company you have right now, and certainly any new break-fix company that you sign on, hopefully you don't, I, I, I said, but every break-fix customer you have inhibits growth and expansion and scalability of your managed services aspirations. And I thought that, I don't know if it caught him off guard, but I think he, he, he hadn't ever looked at it that way. And I said, it, and I, I talked to a lot of MSPs, as you know, I, I, when I say stuff like this, I, I think they don't look at their break fix companies as doing any harm. I think they look at them as, I wish they were over on the managed services side, on the proactive side, but I don't think they look at those break fix companies as being a negative. And that's what I tried to tell this, this um, MSP business owner. I said, look, if you, if you look at them as harmless, they're, that's a mistake. They're not harmless. They do take up time. They do take up highly manual time and energy and resources in your company and and especially for a very small company that's everything that's everything how are you going to grow rapidly a managed services side of the business while you're tending to what i called a a, a pretty significant heavy weight latched to your ankle how, how are you ever going to have that momentum to grow as a company while you have these break fix companies so I said, start by looking at those break fix companies for what they are. They're, they're preventing your growth, they're preventing your scalability, and they're chewing up valuable resources that you need elsewhere. Number one. Number two, similar to what we were talking about with the, with the Australian ransomware ban, have a plan to migrate those break fix companies over into your managed services side. Talk about ransomware if you must. Talk about cybersecurity. Talk about compliance. Talk about whatever you think will resonate with that customer, that break-fix customer. There is so much material you can draw from to help you have a conversation that is meaningful with a break-fix comp company to tell them, this is why we're going to be moving you into a new direction and make you safer and make you better at least from an IT management standpoint. 
you got to have a plan. You have to understand what you're going to say. And then you actually have to have the conversation. And third, I said to this entrepreneur, this business, small MSP business owner, you need to execute your plan and you need to have a timeline. Because if you leave this as an open-ended, hey, we'll get to it you know, whenever you feel like it and, and, you, and you give them a little bit of an of a inch to escape, they will. They will, they will use that and they will take advantage of it and they will say, ah, that's the, that's the easier path. It's not really easier. In their mind, it's easier. And so they're going to take, take the out instead of making the switch and moving into a man of services, which I don't have to go through all the, the benefits, right? The improved budgetability, the streamline of your um, IT management financial budgeting capabilities the increase in the ROI in terms of what you spend dollar for dollar and the return on investment you get from a managed services side compared to a reactive break-fix relationship, which even if it did anything of value on the IT management side, it does nothing on a compliance, cybersecurity, or risk front. In fact, it does more harm than good. Have a strategy and execute it. Put a finite date where that transition is going to take place or else. Now that's the, the or else is really challenging. And I told this, this business owner and I, I said, look, I understand I'm giving you advice, but you're the one that has to execute it. And he, he appreciated it. But I said, I think you need to have a conversation with your break fix customers that includes a deadline of when this is going to take place. And you have to make a decision as a business owner what you're going to do. And, and having started out the conversation by saying there's no good reason to have a break-fix customer on your books because they're just dragging you down, I think he understood at the end that having a switchover date is really going to put a fine point on this whole exercise of trying to get break-fix customers to appreciate their own responsibility to their, to their staff, to their customers, for their own data management, for their own IT management responsibilities, and to give some tangible, a tangible idea of when this is going to happen and kind of just taking the decision out of their hand, right? Some people will just put off making what they perceive as big decisions. And sometimes it takes someone who knows what the right thing is to do. It just, it, it's hard for someone, you know, whether it's a patient or a, a client or a customer to, to come to grips with that. Sometimes you just need someone to say, look, let's, we're going to do this. I'm going to make it easy for you. We're going to do it at the end of the year. We're going to do it at the end, at the mid year. We're going to do it at the end of Q1 2024, whatever it is. Everyone's going to be a little bit different. But if you have a strategy and you outline it for them and you say, this is what we're going to do, more often than not, people are going to go along with it. If they trust you, if they believe you're sincere, and if they believe that what you're doing is actually going to be better for them, have a plan with a due date execute on that plan. That's what I told this, this, um, this MSP business owner. And that's what I'm telling all of you 
MSP business owners and operators who have even one break fix customer make this year, 2024, the year when you have a strategy and you execute that strategy to get them over to proactive managed services. Get it done. Okay. Um, a few weeks ago, I, I I was on LinkedIn and I saw some stuff about Mike Collin passing away. And um, it, it was, it's kind of a surreal thing um, because some of you who don't know Mike Collin, don't know what he did. I'll, I'll explain. Um, and, and by the way, I, I mean, I, I knew Mike for 20 plus years. Um, there are many, many people who had a much deeper, um, personal relationship with him, especially the people who worked, um, very closely with him, um, uh, at Enable. Um, but he, he was a he was a guy that did a lot for this industry, and that's what I I want to take a little bit of time to to recognize the effort and the impact he had, um, and certainly the impact he had on on me and, and the MSP lines because you know a lot of the things that that we were doing uh, very early on you know in the profession in the very very early two thousands uh, these are the same things that that Mike. Um, at Enable was was dealing with and and trying to overcome. Um, if you are not in the Enable ecosystem, you, you you never really bought any Enable products. You say, well, I, you know, why should I care about this? Well, Mike was one of the very early. He headed up the sales team for you know this. I'm talking pre you know SolarWinds MSP pre. You know when they went back to enable. This is before when the the original enable started in you know 2000 2001, um, and 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 he headed up sales, global sales. And you may be saying, well, okay, so so what? He he sold RMM, um, you know, you know, so what? It it's not just so what. It's not that he. His accomplishment is not that he sold RMM for Enable. His accomplishment, his impact, his achievement in the managed services profession is that at a time when managed services was very different, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. Managed services was, was, was going through a huge popularity upswing for a time in the late 1990s, particularly at the enterprise level, uh, you know, hyped by the dot-com era and all the, all the funding that went along with that. Um, that was the initial, the, the very first um, big surge in managed services that we saw. And then, you know, a handful of things happened. You had um, Y2K. Those of you who weren't around then, look it up. Um, Y2K, you had 9-11, and you had the dot-com kind of collapse and the economic collapse that went went along with that all happened in roughly the same, you know, at, at the same time. Within a year or two of each other, all, all three of those things all happened. And during that time when Enable had just, you know, started, 
they were really the dominant RMM company for MSPs. And, and what they were doing, and you know, if, if for those of you who don't know the history, it's really important that you do know the history. Uh, Enable was the RMM company of, of record. And, you know, ConnectWise had just started. Uh, the, the, their managed services division had been around prior to that. But ConnectWise, the PSA, had just started. They weren't anything else other than a PSA. And then you had uh, Kaseya, which was really not an RMM at the time, but they were more uh, desktop management. And so those three vendors were really the, the first breakouts of, of companies that were pushing MSP tools to companies. But here's the challenge. They weren't selling none of those three companies, but including Enable, they weren't selling to MSPs. Who were they selling to? They were selling to break-fix companies. They were selling to value-added resellers. They were selling to system integrators. They were selling to IT consulting firms. They were selling to data hosting companies, data centers. There weren't a lot of MSPs. What makes the achievement of Mike Cullen at that time and after, but especially at that time, is that he laid the groundwork in his role in selling Enable RMM early on in the early 2000s. He was selling that technology to companies to convince them to become managed IT service providers when very few existed. He was selling a business model. He was selling a profession. He was selling, don't be a break-fix company anymore. That's dead. It's gone or it's going to go away. Don't be a VAR. Don't be an integrator. Don't be a consultant. Managed services is the wave of the future. And if you believe that, you're going to need technology that is different than the type of enterprise technology that existed back then, which none of it was suited for, you know, the, the average MSP couldn't use it, couldn't afford it, couldn't understand it, couldn't make it work. It wasn't multi-tenant. The stuff was, you know, was, was outdated. And, and along comes this new breed of technology companies led by Enable and spearheaded by Mike Cullen, by him traveling the world, going out there, trying to convince companies to become MSPs. Now, part of this hits home for me because we came up in the same era. And so we were, both of us, traveling the globe, trying to convince the same types of companies to become MSPs. He was trying to sell RMM. I was trying to sell membership with MSP Alliance. But that's what he did. And he was a trailblazer for it because of it, because of that achievement. And if there's an MSP history book, he deserves a, a, a good chunk of it dedicated to the, the, to the efforts that he did. And, and I'm not short selling or ignoring all the other companies that came after that or even the salespeople and the other executives within Enable that did a lot to contribute. I'm not ignoring that. I'm just saying that what Mike did is special because of the time 
during which he was doing it. And it made it really difficult. But I think, at least my perception was, he made it look surprisingly easy. Because we would talk to new members, and they would tell us, hey, we're, we're, we're an MSP. We just became an MSP last year. And, and we'd ask them, oh, yeah, who are you using? Oh, we use Enable. I said, oh, you, you must, you know, Mike Collin must have sold it to you. Yeah, we know Mike. You know, that was like so common back then. So we, we were always, you know, kind of crossing paths, globally speaking, in terms of our efforts to grow and, and spread the word about managed services. And it's, it's, a, it's a big loss to the community, um, not, not just because, you know, he, he, was, um, he, he was kind of a, if you never met him, he, 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 was, a, he was a really positive guy. He was, he was very full of energy. And, you know, my perception of him was he, he could, you know, he could talk a VAR into becoming an MSP, like over drinks, which, which is his job. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a big loss for the community, but it, it's important for the, for the rest of us, especially those who may not be in the enabled community, may not know who he was or the, 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 the role, the legacy that he left behind. Um, it's important for you to know that. Um, it matters. We, we, need to, we need to remember people who, who blazed a trail and helped us accomplish where we are today. And I don't think we would be anywhere close to where we are today without people like Mike Cullen. So rest in peace, brother. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you will get notified when future episodes are released. We will see you next time in the MSP Zone.